You're listening to teaching from the Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. Music is really powerful, right? It's really powerful, and there are lots of different types and genres of music. There are lots of different, like, eras of music, too. Several, several decades of uh, mainstream music coming and coming and coming. All kinds of different genres. You see up on this chart, it's kind of hard to read, because in order to fit that many words on there, you can't really blow it up more. But this is a small chart of different kinds of genres of music. And there are several, like, really, really big genres that aren't even on there, like country music. Uh, isn't even on there. But you have genres of music, you have subgenres of music, you have subgenres of subgenres of music, all kinds of different music. Uh, for me, my favorite is hip hop or rap. Um, obviously, I look like a rapper, right? Um, so, no, it, my favorite is hip hop and rap. And one thing I can't stand is country music. I know, I know some of you are going to be upset with me for that. I may even get some applause for that, but I can't stand country. And it would be, even, even with hip-hop, though, I'm real picky. Like, I, I can't even just say I like hip-hop, because if you listen to the radio, anything in the past four or five years uh, has played a lot of what we call mumble rap. Uh, who doesn't, they don't have any talent, these mumble rappers. Hip-hop rap at its true form is very intricate, very detailed, a very beautiful art form um, when it's done right and it's done well. But... Uh, this mumble rap generation is just trash. And so even my hip hop isn't like, I can't just say I like hip hop. And it would be almost impossible for me to come to anybody in this room and for someone to tell me you genuinely like every single type of music, right? There may be some of you that might be indifferent toward music in general. But if I, if I said you genuinely like every type of music, there's something out there that you're probably not gonna like uh, because there are so many different genres. Uh, so let's keep that in mind, because we've been talking about the songs of Christmas in our series, Slow Down and Worship. And we've talked about Zechariah, and Zechariah had a song of faith. Uh, and we've talked about Mary, who had a song of humility. Today we're going to be talking about uh, the angels who appear to the shepherds and how they sang the song of redemption. Three different genres here, uh, but we're going to be talking about that today. And uh, Jesus was born in a special city. Does anybody know what, what city Jesus was born in? Kids, kids, somebody tell me. Bethlehem, very good. Yeah, he was born in Bethlehem. And Bethlehem also had a special name. It was the city of David. And it was the city of David because that's where David's father, Jesse, was from. That's where David grew up. If you remember when Samuel came to anoint David to be king, uh, way back in the day, Samuel had Jesse line up his sons. He had eight sons. And Jesse lined up his seven oldest sons. And Samuel, with every single one, said, Oh, you look like a fine young lad. You look like a king. And God said, Nope. And he went down the line. Oh, you look pretty good, too. He sounded just like this, I promise. We have actual audio footage. Um, yeah, this one looks like a king, too. But God said, Nope. And the whole way down. And eventually he gets to the end, and Samuel's like, Uh... Jesse, do you have any other sons? God said that one of your sons was going to be king, but none of these are the right one. And David was an afterthought. Jesse was like, well, I mean, technically I have one more son. Like, there's David. 
but uh, he's a shepherd. He's out in the field. So, you know, he's scrawny. He's little. He's never going to amount to anything. I'd pick from these seven. Uh, but eventually got David, and David winds up being the one who is anointed to be the king of Israel. David was a very very important historical figure, probably the most important in Jesus' line. Uh, See, David was, first of all, a king and one of the greatest kings, one of the greatest kings, if not the greatest king, to ever be a king of God's people. And he was only the second one, too. And many people recognized him as that. Uh, Jesus was the only, or David was the only one that was called a, a man after God's own heart. So he had, uh, he had God's own heart, um, and so that's a very high compliment that no one else has given. Uh, again, like I said, he was a king, but he, didn't, he wasn't always a king. He was also a shepherd. And he was a pretty good shepherd. I mean, we have even a little snippet about him defeating a bear and a lion to protect his sheep, right? So he was a shepherd, a good one. He was good at his craft, but he's just a shepherd. And shepherds weren't really much. In fact, they did the thing that no one else wanted to do whenever everybody else was trying to be king. Um, And so David was the smallest, the youngest, the scrawniest, and the least of his eight brothers. But God used him to come from a shepherd who didn't matter at all to become the greatest king in Jewish history. And it was absolutely paramount, it was absolutely necessary for the Messiah, the promised one, the Savior, the Christ, to be born into the Davidic line, to be a part of David's line. Actually, David, I think, was his 40 times great-grandfather. 42 generations separated them. Um, And so Jesus came directly from David, and it's very important. And it's really fun to see how in the city of David, in Bethlehem, where Samuel anointed a shepherd to be king, it started in, in David are in the city of David in Bethlehem with shepherds and a king. And we're going to come full circle here to the city of David with shepherds and a king. So it's really cool to see that. So uh, let's actually go ahead and get into the text in Luke chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. If you want to turn with us, Luke chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, uh, who was with child. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Uh, This is a nuance that we look over a lot. But how was Jesus related to David? He was related by adoption. Jesus came through the Davidic line through Joseph, who wasn't his physical earthly father. And when we think about that today, that means the same thing, right? Parents are parents. It doesn't matter if you're at adoption or birth or whatever. Parents are parents. But if you think 2,000 plus years ago, it probably wasn't viewed the same way. It would have been a little different. There was a lot of adoption, especially uh, when someone's sibling would die. The, uh, your sibling would have the duty to take your kids in as their own. But there were still differences. There were, it wasn't quite the same back then. So Jesus didn't really have a legitimate earthly father. And his claim to the Davidic line was only by adoption. And not only that, 
But his mother, Mary, was unmarried. She, didn't, she wasn't married. She had a fiancé. But back then, if you had a kid and you weren't married, you, you, that is, you are an outcast, completely shunned by the rest of society. Uh, and along with that, he was born in a stable. His temporary home was the home of animals. And his temporary bed was an animal's feeding trough, a manger where animals ate. Jesus, the Son of God, came as an outcast in many different ways. God had power. God still has power. He could have been born into any situation. He could have been the son of a literal physical king here. He could have been the son of nobility. He could have been the son of uh, you name it, whatever situation you want. He didn't even have to come at the time that he did. But God chose to come into this world as an outcast. That's important. So let's continue reading. Uh, Verses 8 through 10. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were filled with great fear. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So... The, shep- the, the angels appeared to the shepherds, and what is the shepherds' first reaction? Fear. They were scared. And that's not uncommon. Uh, in fact, many people uh, in the Jewish tradition would believe if you saw the glory of the Lord with your own eyes, you would die because you couldn't handle the glory of God. And there's actually some evidence to this. Uh, you had something like uh, the Ark of the Covenant, where if you were not a Levite and you touched the Ark of the Covenant, uh, it was believed you would die, and there was actually an instance of that uh, recorded in the Bible. Moses at the burning bush, he saw a bush that was burning, and his first instinct was curiosity, and he went and checked it out, but then when the bush claimed to be a messenger from the Lord, he hid his face in fear. And then you have another instance where Elijah was on a mountain, and uh, God sent an earthquake, and there was God wasn't in the earthquake. He sent a wind like a tornado, and God wasn't in that. He sent a fire, uh, but he wasn't in that. And then God sent a whisper, and it says God was in the whisper, and Elijah hid his face in fear from God. I mean, even in the book of Luke, just recently, Zechariah was troubled and was seized with great fear whenever an angel appeared to him, and Mary was greatly troubled whenever an angel appeared to her to tell her that she was going to have a son. So it's a natural reaction. And every time uh, in the book of Luke, the response is, do not fear or have no fear. So there's fear here, but the angels address it and say, have no fear. And so we're going to continue reading what the angel said in verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ, the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So the first people in the book of Luke to be notified about the birth of the Messiah, the Christ, the promised one, are shepherds, outcasts. I mean, when you think about what shepherds did, shepherds worked with unclean animals. They were ceremonially unclean. In fact, in a lot of Jewish tradition, they probably would have had to stay outside of the city for seven days after they got done with dealing with unclean animals before they could be reintegrated into society and become clean again. 
They were outcasts. They lived outside of the city because they couldn't live in the city. They probably didn't have a home. Uh, They would pitch tents wherever their uh, flocks were. Um, So shepherds were complete and total outcasts. They didn't really have an education. They didn't really require a particular trade skill to train for. They would spend a little bit of time under another shepherd, but it wouldn't take too long to pick up the trade. Shepherds weren't respected. Shepherds had no uh, say in society. They were complete outcasts. And Jesus, the Son of God, came to earth as a complete outcast. He wasn't welcome in inns. He was born in a stable. He was, born, he was laid in a manger. His mother was unmarried. His claim to the Davidic line through the throne is only by adoption. I mean, all things are against Jesus. He is a complete outcast. And so Jesus didn't come to, already, to welcome those who were already welcome. He didn't come to, to welcome the law-abiding Jewish citizens who believed that they were clean and who believed that they were the ones who were only welcome into the kingdom. Jesus sets a clear example by the way he was born, the situation he was born, that he came for the outcast, for everyone. He didn't just come for those who uh, you think are like you or like that follow a law-fulfilling or law-abiding Jewish citizens. Jesus came for everyone, even the outcasts. So let's continue uh, reading in verse 15. When the angels went away from uh, the shepherds into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made, known to the, uh, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered or marveled at what the shepherds told them. They wondered. The shepherds, first of all, the shepherds encounter Jesus. They follow instructions. They come and see Jesus. And how amazing is it that upon first interaction with the glory of God when they see the angels... They have fear, the natural reaction, right? They're scared, and the angels say, do not be afraid. But do they have fear when they see the baby Jesus? They don't. He's a baby in a stable, in a manger. Look, they were told to do that by God. But the fact that they didn't fear seeing the glory of the Lord, the glory of the Lord was something different than everyone anticipated. It was so different than ever. Like everyone was expecting a Messiah, a warrior king to come and to see a baby in a manger. It's completely different. No one would have ever written the script like this. In fact, when the, when the shepherds told people that the angels came to them and told them uh, that a Messiah had been born and glory to God in the highest, people marveled. They wondered. They were, they came to you? Shepherds? How come they haven't told any of the nobility yet? How come they haven't told anybody else in the city? Do they not know that there are more important people here? Why did they tell the shepherds? It goes on to say that Mary just treasured that in her heart. So Mary uh, was not to blame for wondering at this, but this was a different mindset than anybody would have ever thought of. No one would have ever thought it to be written like this. No one would have ever thought that Jesus would be born in this way, in this place. 
telling the shepherds first was absolutely shocking, and that the Savior would welcome outcasts by inviting shepherds in to be with him in his quarters is complete, complete foolery. It is shocking. And that's the song of redemption. I mean, until Jesus, only law-following Jews would be uh, insiders in the kingdom of heaven. But Jesus came not only to welcome outcasts. Jesus came as an outcast, to be an outcast, to live among outcasts. In his life, he hung out with prostitutes. He hung out with uh, tax collectors. He hung out with the socially unacceptable, the outsiders, the Gentiles, the Greeks. His whole life is a song of redemption, a song saying it's not just for this people, it's for everybody. In fact, it even says the angels had good news of great joy for some people. No, for all people. And so when the angels sing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace with those, to those with whom he is well pleased, he's not saying a specific group of people, peace to you. He's not saying some of you who follow the law that you know of that Moses wrote down. He's not saying peace to you. Look, we should never make types of people. We should never make genres of people. But we're guilty of it. We're guilty of making genres of people. We're guilty of putting people in a box, of saying, oh, there's this group of people, and there's this group of people, and there's this group of people that's a subgroup of this group of people. And I think we have a tendency, if we're being honest with ourselves, historically in the church, we've said, not that genre. We've said, not those outcasts. They're not welcome in the kingdom. And if we're being honest with ourselves, I think we've all been guilty of that. But the great news of good, of good joy for all people is that Jesus came as an outcast, is that Jesus came for outcasts, is that Jesus came to welcome everyone into his kingdom. And so it's, it's not our job to decide which types of people, which genres of people should become part of the kingdom of God, but it's our job to sing the song of redemption. It's our job to sing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those with whom he is well pleased. It's our job to tell the world this great thing has happened. Go tell everyone. Not just people like you, not just people near you, not just people who have the same skin color or the same language or the same nationality or the same insert box here. We're called to sing to everyone. Tell the world of the good news of great joy. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth to those with whom he is well pleased.